Before we get started, I need to thank another Patreon patron. Thank you, Nick Patton, first patron of 2019, Nick, to join the club, and I'm so grateful to have him on board and to have his support. If you'd like to get thanked on the air, you can go to patreon.com slash originalcastpod and check out the website. It's got all kinds of information and lots of different tiers where you can join. But all tiers come with our special bonus podcast, The Original Cast at the Movies, where I and two guests go over a movie musical from the classic era to the modern era to whatever from Justin to Kelly is. December's movie was White Christmas with Farrell Parker and Emma Jackson, and coming up in January, we have the 1997 TV movie version of Cinderella with Don Mike Mendoza and Beth Amon. It's going to be a lot of fun, and I hope you can check it out. Original cast of the movies available only at patreon.com slash originalcastpod. All right, here's the show. Whenever my world falls apart... I never lose hope or lose heart Whatever the form of the storm that may brew Not with you to lean on, darlings, you Hello and welcome to The Original Cast, a podcast about original cast albums and the people who love them. I'm Patrick Flynn. My guest today is a costume designer from the D.C. Baltimore area. It's Heather C. Jackson, everybody. Hi. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing just fine. We are in a new setup. It's kind of throwing me off, but we're going to power through because I'm a professional, and or at least I pretend to be. And um, thank you for coming down here today to talk about, after much discussion, we're talking about... She Loves Me. I'm tingling, such delicious tingles. I'm trembling, what the hell does that mean? I'm freezing, that's because it's cold out. And still I'm incandescent, and like some adolescent, I'd like to scrawl on every wall I see. She loves me, she loves me. The 2016 revival of right. She Loves Me. That was the discussion. Which version of She Loves Me we were going to talk about, which was an excellent discussion to be a part of. Let me just tell you, that's a great... Those are good choices to be having. To yes. Which version of this wonderful yes. show? And I, I've kind of reviewed many in terms of figuring out which is my favorite. Oh, okay. Well, how Different did, uh, iterations of the story. How did She Loves Me come into your life? So it really originally came into my life with the 1993 revival. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was definitely one of those kids, I guess, teen, preteen, who paid attention to all the new musicals. But living in Baltimore, we didn't go up to New York, uh, actually, even though we were close to it. So the only musicals I would see were either local or touring things, like the big ones, Les mm-hmm. Mis, Cats, sure. that stuff. So whenever I got a new musical, it was one of many musicals that I would get, fell in love with completely and utterly, and listened to for years and never saw a production of. Ah. There's actually many of those that I've seen <laughs> that I know very, very, very yes, well not and alone. have never seen. Yes. Uh, and She Loves Me was one of them. The 93 revival, the music was just so delightful and charming. It just captured me. And around the same time, I had seen the uh, 1940s Good Old Summertime with Judy Garland, which is based on the same source material. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of knew the storyline, and I don't know which one came first. Uh, And I loved it for years, and then kind of forgot about it. And then I heard they were doing this revival, and I remembered how much I loved the music, and I adore Zachary Levi, I will admit. (laughs) Uh, So I went up to see it in New York, Mm -hmm. and then uh, we went to see it, because it was a set run. They hadn't decided if they were recording. Right. And then right around the time we saw it, they announced that they were. 
And then I got it and listened to it obsessively. Oh, wow. So. And then it was on TV. And then it was on TV. The yeah. first ever live from the theater for right. broadcast of a Broadway show. On, on Broadway show. Yeah, absolutely. On, yeah, of a Broadway show. Yeah, yeah, absolutely right. Yeah, yeah. And it was great. That's how I got to see it because I really don't leave my house because <laughs> I got kids. But um, I was sad to miss it. Yeah, I love this show. I, I absolutely love this show. Um, and I, like you, first heard it. I think I first saw it on the Tony Awards. I saw, um, I'm totally blanking on his name, and he won a Tony for it, and my listeners are screaming at me right now. I have it. What's it's his name? Boyd. Boyd Gaines. Yes. There we go. Thank you. <laughs> I, made, I was doing my notes just That's to be good. sure, because I was like, I will do that. Yeah, I no, no. That's, immediately I, I, I usually don't, and <laughs> it, it, it's flown, it flew out of my head. Yeah, I saw Boyd Gaines sing She Loved Me, and that went into my book kind of right away because nice. it was perfect for my range in high school and um it's a great song and a fun fantastic song fun fun song i actually got to watch a video archive of the 93 production oh so i don't know how much of a secret this is but apparently if you have a new york library card and i go oh, yeah. them up there a lot you can go to the performing arts mm-hmm. library and watch them as research yes and so i was up there working recently and i was like i need to prep for this podcast mm-hmm. so for research oh, i watched the 1993 production archive so now who plays in in the archive video who plays um uh amalia i'm gonna double check my notes so I don't forget and i realized i didn't put any character names but i assume it's judy kuhn so that are listed well, that's see, that's the thing. So the um, she was she was cast as Amalia in the revival, but she does not appear on the '93 recording because she had to leave oh. to go do Sunset Boulevard in L.A. Now she is on that recording, see? which she then didn't do Sunset Boulevard in New York because she got pregnant. So, or she had her kid, I should say. I did say, not do my um, research. Yeah, well, this is these are the facts that I have in my brain, but the. Um, so that's why I'd be interested to see the video because she's not on the recording, but she was the original gotcha. uh, Amalia in the in the. Uh, I'll have to look back because I was revival. kind of jotting down notes while I was watching it, but sure. I don't remember if I was paying attention to the opening credit where that they kind of someone, just ran everybody up during. Someone's the gonna someone's gonna tweet me about oh yeah who what the answer to the question is and thank you in advance. Um, <laughs> but so for for see so yeah, this is but we're talking about 2016's production, yes, which uh, would be the one that uh i think probably people are most most familiar with um of the three versions but i could be wrong about that and is different than they're all they're all three of the versions of the show that you can get recordings of uh legal recordings of i should say there is a recording of the um london production the most recent one floating around which you can you can get if you you know where to look but uh was a is a big show what is so for those people who don't know Let's see if people can... <laughs> I want you to summarize the plot as best you can of She Loves Me. But then I want to see if listeners along are going to say this sounds familiar if you don't know what the story is. So what's the oh, plot? Oh, so she... I have thoughts on that Yeah, too. okay. <laughs> uh, so uh, let's see if I can summarize it shortly because I've kind of gone over the whole thing story-wise a lot. But basically you have uh, George Novak who works in a shop, the Marachek's a Parfumery mm-hmm. uh, in Hungary. And he's kind of the lead sales clerk. He's kind of a son figure to the owner, Mr. Marichek. And in comes Amalia Balish, a young woman who needs a job, and they do not get along right away. They clash instantly over a music box sale, but that's a right. whole complicated plot point. So they just start off antagonistic 
And what they don't realize is they are each other's secret pen pals, that they have this love letter, Lonely Hearts Club kind of thing going on, a intellectual relationship mm. where they're in love with each other and talk about books and music, but they've never met. So, of course, wackiness ensues. Uh, that is the shortest version of the that's, plot. A, that's pretty good. And then we also meet all, all of the characters yes. in the shop, have a storyline. Yes. Um, Alona and Kaldai. Right. Uh, there's the Rapscallion, Kalona, or uh, Kodai. There is the, uh, I just I just portmanteaued that relationship, Kaldona. Nobody likes them as a couple. They're seeing, uh, yeah. and then, so Kodai is seeing um, uh, Alona illicitly illicitly but kodai is also seeing a lot of other people <laughs> as we, illicitly as we, much more illicitly yes, as we much discover as we discover kodai is the cause of much problems in the show and, yes and the he, not merry mix-ups exactly yeah the not merry mix-ups yeah the, the, uh, i want to save some of those because they're bananas so <laughs> yeah we'll get into that yeah yeah and so if you think my gosh that plot line sounds familiar uh it may be because you've seen the film you've got mail <laughs> because all of these things are based on uh, a play called Perfumery, which is a Hungarian play. Yes. Uh, from, I believe, like 1937. 37? Okay, I was going to say it's pre World War II, which I'll get into that in a second, too. But the, um, and uh, it came over here. Uh, it was a very popular play, as I understand it. It was one of those yeah. plays that kind of everybody... Because it's a fun plot, yeah. and merry mix-ups and so, as you say. And Yeah, and then they made the 19... Uh, early 40s. Right. Uh, Jimmy Stewart mo- movie, The Shop Around the Corner, right. which I watched while decorating my Christmas tree relatively oh, wow. recently. Oh, I had not... It is Christmassy. It is. And this I is a Christmassy it. show. It is a Christmassy yeah. show, which is funny because when they did the revival at uh, round, mm. Roundabout, they uh, it was like April. Right. It was like in the spring. <laughs> I didn't even associate it as a Christmas show until I, uh, I do some uh, writing of like articles on film and TV and stuff mm-hmm. like that and was asked to put together a list of streaming movies on Amazon for the holidays. Ah. And so I was comparing different top 50 Christmas movies lists to see like what is the general consensus. And sure. it was on all of them. Shop Around the Corner? Yes. Oh, okay. And so I yeah. put it on all watching my Christmas tree. All right. So, That's good. It, it is Christmassy. It, you it, know, yeah, it, and it's the, a seasonal. The music, over well, the that's seasons. the thing is it goes over the course of... Well, it's, a, it's less than a year because it isn't Christmas when we start. No, it's like but late it's summer. Late summer. So we go from late summer through uh, December 25th. I mean, it ends on Christmas. Well, Christmas Eve. It yeah. ends on Christmas Eve. Um, gosh, a lot happens in, <laughs> in those five months. months. It's like five months, right? Yeah. And several of those months pass right away. Right. Because we start with what we start with, which which is, I mean, for my money, good morning, good day is one of the best opening numbers of any any musical of all of all time it is it it, and it's but it sets tone you meet all the characters who work at the perfumery in a rush and you really kind of instantly understand who they are not only through what they're singing but also what is said i love by um (laughs) sipos and uh i am blanking on everyone's name today our pad yeah also these aren't i mean they're hungarian names yes. so it's the other problem i'm gonna keep that cast list right there in front of me um i did that too. good yeah that's not not a bad idea uh our pad the delivery boy and c-post the sort of long-suffering well not long-suffering just the the, the older clerk who's married and world wizened and yes. uh, has, just wants to plug along and do his job and do his job and just get not make waves. get by right yeah. yeah never disagree as he says and the they sort of set up every character as they come in, who's who, who's doing what, 
here comes Miss Ritter. Oh. She spent the night with Mr. Kodai. Again? They always kiss goodbye at the newsstand. Then she walks around the block to make us think she's been home. Good morning. Good day. How are you this glorious day? Have you seen a lovelier morning? Never. Oh, it's too nice a day to be inside shuffling soap. I have no more energy whatsoever. Anybody mind if I take the day off? Arpad, why aren't you old enough to take me away from all this? I'm old enough? Well, then marry me, and I'll quit my job. No, I'm afraid you're not really quite old enough. It won't be long, though. I'm catching up. You know, Miss Horvath always used to say I'd get to be 35 before you ever did. Oh, Mr. Kodai. Good morning. Good day. How are you this radiant day? What a rare, magnificent morning. Is it? Good morning, my dear. How are you this ravishing day? Do you know you've never looked more exquisite? Thank you, kind sir. What a lovely dress. The same one she had on yesterday, Mr. Kodai. Well, if it isn't Mr. Novak. And we learn that they all really enjoy each other's company. And then we have these letter songs, which pass from summer to autumn yeah. to winter in the songs. It's like the third or fourth song. You get good yeah. morning, good day. Then you selling, yeah. You know, you get the vibe of the shop, and then we meet Amalia, and yes, and then we yeah go right into the seasons. All kind of jump fast forward, right? And and they introduce them on the sort of. I I often envision a production of this show with a calendar on the stage. <laughs> I don't know, like that's always kind of been in my mind of like if I were to do this, that I would. I don't. I don't know how distracting it would probably be. I have a reputation for doing these things, for setting up these things and being like late in the production, being like, actually, we need to cut that. This big idea that I had is a terrible <laughs> idea. Um, so that might be horribly distracting, but I kind of like the idea of the pages like flying off and you kind of having a sense of where you are, because especially during 12 Days to Christmas, the last song, you would, you can one yeah. at a time pull them off. I mean, they do it in the song, so there's an organic reason to do that. Um, but he does, I mean, Arpad says, look autumn, look winter, yes. look, you know, look all these things. <laughs> <laughs> like we are showing you seasons fast and not only it's it's funny to me because i'd be interested i haven't read the play i'd be interested to see how they do it in the play because what happened like we set like we say we when we join our group of friends this is the really you know george is in the lonely hearts club the shop is humming along fine someone has just left a position has just become available because the woman had a baby i believe yeah. right yeah left um got married and and left and so that is dis- it's a character um who we never meet uh and then we meet all these people and like we understand kodai and alone are in a relationship but during that three letter song as time passes they break up they break up like in the song we never really see it they have a misunderstanding and then they're broken up in this in this period of time because the problem is that they're broken up the problem isn't that they're a couple and so many of course then you say other problems arise. He's just a piece of work, man. He is not a great guy. Um, is our Stephen, as is his name, which I can see because it's right here in front of me. I didn't know that. Um, yeah, it's full of really, really interesting, interesting characters like that. Yeah, we have good, good, good morning, good day. So sounds worth selling, which is also where we join. Oh, we also have days gone by. We skipped uh, days gone by and the no more candy song, which is how Amalia gets yes. her job. Then we get into three letters. So we do have like a day. A, day like a full shop. day in the shop, and then three months yeah. pass. Um, and so what is it about... I mean, you've done lots of shows. You're obviously a show person yes. from, from way, way back. What was it about this show that, that grabbed you so much? I'm not 
entirely sure, but I assume since I didn't see it first, I either mm-hmm. read about it going to the Tonys or saw the Tonys mm-hmm. or the Thanksgiving Day or whatever was the first clip I saw. Mm-hmm. It must be the music because I go back and listen to it all the time. Mm-hmm. It is catchy and storytelling as need be, but also just kind of beautiful music. It's charming. It gets in your head and not in an annoying way. I think of knowing the show for 20 odd years. Sure. Is that right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Let's say yes. Yes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I still listen to it and enjoy it. And I think there's maybe one song I occasionally skip, but. Ooh, what is it? Romantic Atmosphere. It's funny, but it's sticky, and it is the shtick moment. And as much as it's a good song, it is the only non-character-driven song. Butterfingers, do that again. That's the end of your career. How do you do, sir? How do you do, madam? Don't you know we tried to preserve our romantic atmosphere? Good to see you again, Mr. List. That's what all our patrons expect. So every jarring note will be ruthlessly checked. Gently does it. Try to preserve a romantic atmosphere. Okay, let's talk about romantic <laughs> atmosphere. So this show, I have said on this podcast that I think Gypsy is the best post-Oklahoma, what are, what are all the qualifiers I put on this? Post-Oklahoma pre-company book musical. It is the best of that sort of what we call Broadway's golden age book musicals. Is Gypsy, to me, is the epitome of that. I would support it as a top runner. And... She Loves Me is high on the list for me. It's in my top 10 of those musicals. Mm-hmm. But the thing that keeps it out of the, the top spot, and probably the top five, honestly, is the plot gets nuts, and the structure gets nuts late in Act 1. Very, very late in Act 1. Because it is, the, show, the thing that She Loves Me does better, I think, than any musical before it, and not maybe not entirely since, but like it, it really sets the gold standard for songs and scenes weaving mm-hmm. in and out of each other in a seamless way. There is dialogue and song, and this, it, it, it the songs em- emerge completely organically from the circumstance that and and the book, and then drift back. It's almost perfect. Yeah, exactly. And the whole first part of the the whole first act kind of is perfect. And then you have that. So, yeah. Last 20 minutes of Act 1. <laughs> so we get to this scene. I mean, because basically up to that point, it's an eight-character show. Yeah. Set in one room. I mean, it's basically all in the perfumery. We haven't really left. We've been outside, but we haven't left that block. Characters have come and gone. Days have passed. And then that night is the big date where George is going to meet his pen pal. And Amalia is going to meet her pen pal. We don't know they're the same person. They also... Do a really nice job, by the way, of deftly avoiding them even talking about the fact that they have pen pals. Yeah. Which is a funny little... They've just really set up this, like, headbutting to a point that they don't talk about anything kind They don't talk to each other. They don't talk right. to each other. Yeah. They just Except walk when he, past they and sort of digs. And, and digs at each other. Exactly right. He chides her for being late, and she chides him back, I guess. Yes. I don't know. Because she, she... he is technically her boss. Yeah. She, like, pokes at him for being, like, a uptight, like, managerial person pushy kind of person well and and on top of this tension we forgot to mention there's another tension running on which is one of the big issues i have in in the other big thing that happens in three letters 
is that for some reason Mr. Marachek starts to hate George mm -hmm. and we don't understand what that is all about. Right. And it's and neither does George. And it's driving them. I mean, he really starts it. They go from being, like you say, like son type, father-son father -son figure. In the course of half a song, he really starts to hate him. And we have no idea why. And it leads, it all butts up to a head on this day where he, is he, fi is he fired or is he forced to quit? I can't. He basically, in every version is a little different, but in She Loves Me, he basically quits, mm -hmm. but he's kind of driven to it like he yeah. finally confronts his boss and he tries twice he starts to ask him why he's being so mean and he starts to blow up at him and then so he posts he doesn't want to rock the boat distracts right. him yeah. to try to stop it and it still happens and they have a, a big blow up where he basically is like i don't know what i've done to make you so mad at me and i don't feel like i can work like this you don't respect me enough to do my job and the boss is like fine you're right and basically is the yes. kind of the summation of the yeah. fight and george does in essence, quit, but he's pretty much driven kind to of, it. I mean, he sort of, he makes that bold statement, and then he's told to go collect his wages. Yeah. So it's kind of a, yeah, you're right. It's like they, yeah. <laughs> he's fired, basically. He's but basically he, fired. But he, yeah, it, it, he is a large, he's backed into it. Um, and we're skipping over some amazing songs, oh, yeah. which we'll come we, back we'll to. We'll go back. Um, but then what happens is, so he quits. He and, and Amalia have this semi, not a tender scene, but a moment where she sort of, she relents a little bit. Actually, she doesn't. He, she sort of says, "Why are you so mad at me? Like, come, like I didn't want this to happen to you. Like, we may not get along, but you're a nice guy." And he kind of has a quip on his way out the door, and then he's gone. And then what we know is going to happen happens is that they go to the restaurant. She gets there early, and he arrives and sees her, and he leaves. Uh, or no, he shows up. That's right. He walks in first, causes a scene, and then leaves her and she thinks her date never showed up but before that happens yeah well actually yeah. two things happen i remember that i watching i knew these things happened intellectually but watching the broadway hd um broadcast they really got driven home for me how crazy they are we find out that Mr. Marichek is mad because one of his employees is sleeping with his wife. And he thinks it's George because George comes over to the house all the time for dinner and has always complimented Mrs. Marichek really just to be nice and talked about how attractive she is. Also, again, because he's kind of pushed to it by Mr. Marichek. And then we find out it's actually um, uh, uh, Kodai who's sleeping with, <laughs> with Ms. Marichek. And Mr. Marichek has this really interesting dramatic moment where he sort of realized he's, he's sabotaged one relationship, lost his wife, and, it, and he's, he's sort of, everything's gone wrong. And so what he does, I'm trying not to laugh while I say it, because it's very serious, is he goes upstairs and shoots himself. <laughs> and yeah. Arped finds him. Then the next thing that happens is this song called Romantic, <laughs> Romantic Atmosphere. Atmosphere. It is... <laughs> And Which when I saw this song. show in 2016, right. I probably had not, because I knew the general story and I knew the music, had not reread a synopsis in 20 years. Sure. So I completely had no memory yeah, of I. that happening. And so he goes into the office and there's a gunshot. And then it goes... When you hear Mr. And you and hear Arpad go, no! And then the gunshot goes, goes off. And then you have 20 more minutes of antics and then intermission. Well, but you, you have are... like the silliest song. The like silliest. following this cliffhanger moment it's of, this, of this gunshot going off and Arpad saying no. You have, yeah, you have this huge chorus number giant which we haven't met a, we haven't seen a chorus no 
yet. We've seen like the three women in the opening. Three women in the shop shop scene and then the private detective. So it's been eight people and like four in the ensemble. There are then suddenly 15 people on stage who we've never really met. I mean, some of the repeat players, obviously. But all characters we've never met. The head waiter, who is a great character, but feels like he's in a different show. And it always, this is always where the musical feels like this is now a different we're now in a different totally different show and it's a great song like i say romantic atmosphere is a great song on its own objectively has some really funny patented sheldon harnick lyrics look around and see for yourself the romantic atmosphere victor stephanie that's what all our patrons demand that's the reason why they're here Victor, Hugo, they all come here just for the mood. And if you don't believe me, try tasting our food. That's why we have got to preserve our romantic atmosphere. Yeah. It's really, that's a solid lyric. Nicely done. Um, but... <laughs> Yeah, it's it's just it's bonkers. This this plot, and only for this chunk, yeah. completely lose. Like as a as a viewer, um, it takes me all of romantic atmosphere to get back into. You're kind of shell shocked well, by like, that. Like, yeah, uh, this, like, wait, what's happening? This wacky this romantic check? comedy just went to this gunshot. Very dark place. At, yeah, very dark place, and it's very sudden. Yeah, it and that's kind of one of like it's already a show song that while yeah it's a great yeah. shtick song doesn't really fit in the way the exactly. rest of the show is structured. Yes, but it's following such an unexpectedly dark turn that it it kind of doubles down on not being the best fit for the show at that point. Well, and it also has this there's this interesting thing that happens when George gets fired. So now we can back up and talk okay. about some good songs, which is um, because I this is my my favorite chunk of songs i think there's two chunks in this show that are just astonishingly good song like one two three four songs in a row um starting with tonight at eight i haven't slept a wink i only think of our approaching tete-a-tete tonight at eight i feel a combination of depression and elation what a state to wait till eight three more minutes two more seconds ten more hours to go in spite of all I've written, she may not be very smitten, and my hopes, perhaps, may all collapse. Kaput! Tonight at eight. Which is just a great patter song in the old tradition, and it's my son's favorite song of the show. He <laughs> loves this song. We then go into the back room where Alona and Amalia are, and they sing, I don't know his name. I don't need to see his handsome profile. I was taken in by I don't need to see his manly friend. I was taken in by someone's One long revealing letter I could love you much better If I knew his name I knew his name Was in a name Oh, and Ilona is... I, th- that song leads to me like one of the things I love about Alona so much. Well, and Alona is to me, and I, it wasn't until uh, I saw Jane Kismarek do the character that I kind of really understood how interesting Alona can be if given the chance. And she brings so much more like 
sass and sensuality to the character that is, I guess, there but not necessarily played. Like in the 93, she was funny and kind of quirky, but a lot of that energy was not there. Like Jane, she brings it all yeah. to that role. And what I love about it, and I think is one of the things that, stepping away from it, I like about the show Big Picture, yeah, yeah. is that it is like a 1930s story redone in the 1960s. Mm-hmm. And it has all those kind of old school musical things that you love about these kind of classic musicals but it um it doesn't it doesn't not age well like there's not problematic things in it and one of the things i love about it is specifically alona because she is a woman who is owning her sexuality and she is enjoying this she's in a relationship with a bad guy but the relationship is bad not because she's a young woman out having in a relationship she's it's a bad relationship because he's a bad guy yeah and all along the way none of her criticisms are on the fact that she's having a physical relationship you know, yes. as a single woman in the 30s. It's just that her choices are not the best. No. And, and that's the song where she kind of acknowledges, you know, you know, Amalia is singing about knowing everything about this man, except for his name, except for seeing him. And uh, for Alona starts with like, you don't even know what he looks like. Yeah. And she's kind of shocked. And then, and then she starts thinking about how little she knows about the personality of the men she dates because she goes for physical attractiveness or a physical uh, interaction first. Mm-hmm. And so her more questioning is, oh, I should probably get to know these guys or maybe look for a guy who's who's smart and kind. Right. Uh, but it doesn't judge on the fact that she's having physical relationships at all. And then we get perspective. Call me fool. That's all right with me. Here's my rule. Never disagree. Where's my pride? Swallowed long ago. Deep inside where it doesn't show. Bowing, scraping, nodding, beaming, always humble, not an ounce of self-respect. Yes, sir, yes, sir, you're so right, sir. Black is white, sir. Excuse me while I genuflect. Another kind of patter song. Um, then George gets fired. And then Alona sings... Uh, not Alona. keeps calling her Alona because it's a much sweeter name. Amalia uh, sings Will He Like Me. Will he like the girl he sees? If he doesn't, will he know enough to know That there's more to me than I may always show Will he like me? Will he know that there's a world of love Waiting to warm him and also wonderfully ironic (laughs) where she's wondering if her unknown pen pal will like her when he meets her (laughs) and the answer is no because he's already met you um but then we get two songs back to back before we have the suicide attempt and the and the dancing waiters in alona Without you, Ilona, how cold my lonely life has grown. Are you happy alone, Ilona, Ilona, my own? Now that the die is hard at play, we'll never get out of here till New Year's Day. And I resolve. I resolve. 
trusting It's high time, time that I awoke Whatever I've got up here, it's up here rusting My feminine intuition is a joke I must be cousin to a cat I always wind up with a rat I'm through with momentary thrills I find I can't afford the bills I resolve, come what may I will not be this girl one more day Yes. Which is great. Just a gr- I mean, this, so this series of whatever that is, six songs, seven songs, is just... Powerhouse. It's right it's there. absolutely, and it leads to the problem of uh, romantic atmosphere being kind of a letdown because you've had this great string of songs, and is you know. And I would say, uh, and I keep I keep comparing them because I've recently like revisited both, mm-hmm. and one of the things that I think this revival brings so much energy to everything, and uh, Alona is one of them. It. It is basically a tango in its energy, or it's a, yeah. it's a dance, mm-hmm. and it was kind of danced in the '93, mm-hmm. but it is danced, danced, and I love the um, <laughs> in this one. the ladder. I love the, the ladder, use of the yes. ladder spinning around, using that as a yeah. as a dance partner in this. Yeah, and even listening to it, you get that energy. Uh, she brings so much just sound in reacting to his singing because it's all really kodai singing yes. he's trying to woo her back because uh i think at this point basically he had told her he couldn't see her and then they have to work late so he can see her because i i think of it as like he likes to take her home but not take her out so sure. if he can get off work early he mm-hmm. makes plans with other women and right. so forth but well there's he, one very specific woman he yes very specific one mrs yes. uh, mrs, mrs. marichek yes so they have to work late, so he's trying to woo her back. And then, actually, when the private eye comes in to tell or calls Mr. Marichek to tell him he's got a report, right. then Mr. Marichek sends everybody home, home early after all. Right. And so then he cancels again. And right. that leads and to that her. And that leads song. to I Resolve, which is, yeah, I mean, it's a really organic, like I say, it's a wonderful character and plot organic moment where he woo- she's dumped him, he woos her, she's wooed. She's like, fine, like, you're right, like, this is great, this is a fun relationship, whatever, and maybe it is something. And then he immediately treats her like garbage, and I like that she doesn't doesn't do anything to him. This I resolve is for her, and for the audience. It is not a, you're a rat kind of song to him. It is a purely like, no, I've made a quiet, internal decision, like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna do this anymore, Mm-mm. you know? I never get to meet their mothers. I mean, there's all these great lines she has about her realization of her, like, none of these people are taking me seriously, least of all Kodai. So forget it. I'm done. And she storms off the stage. And it's wonderfully brilliant. And then we have a suicide attempt. and uh, uh, Yeah. And then a romantic atmosphere. <laughs> <laughs> and then we have two more songs. I mean, yeah. the thing is still going this act one is i timed oh, it out because i was like i find this the the gunshot this is so sudden mm-hmm. and for it not to be the end of an act or a cliffhanger i was timing it and i think it was like 25 minutes mm-hmm. of show oh yeah and then it and it's show it's, it's yeah. four songs there's two big book scenes between there's the waiter yes. and, and amalia and then seapost and george have and then amalia and george have a scene which then becomes mr Nowak, will you please yeah. which is a great song and 
then also leads to the moment of the first time the two of them actually connect when they conspire yeah. against the head waiter. Yes. <laughs> what I, one of the things I love about these interactions in this sequence is, I mean, this is the point where George discovers it's her. Yes. And I mean, yes, if we're saying like, what's the right decision? He should tell her, but we would have no plot in act two if he didn't. If he did. Well, and but, also, is that the right decision? Well, see, so he he try, he starts to infer. He starts it's certainly to the go ethical there. decision. It's yeah, the ethical yeah. decision. It's the ethical decision. And he starts to go there. Like he doesn't he realizes he has no real grudge against her. Right. And he starts to kind of sound out, like in the dialogue and in that where he's trying to help her with the waiter because she's getting high strung because she's been stood up. She's had right. a few glasses of wine. And nothing to eat. And nothing to eat <laughs> since noon. Uh, and he like kind of starts sounding her out and she's so worried that her date is going to see him there and she's so frustrated with him because of their personal kind of grudge at the shop that she snaps and she's pretty nasty to him and she even says it in the song later i was so nasty well but, and justifiably so yes, i mean i really both don't pretty justified as in this whole far situation. as she because she does oh she knows he's been fired but so she as far as she knows he's just there to give her a hard time yeah and, and drive her date away right and she has no reason to suspect otherwise yeah. especially because he's just been fired and they left on kind of not a awful note but not a great one no and so she has no reason to trust him no, she has no reason to trust him and he already thinks she really hates him so while he's sounding her out he also is like well she's not gonna like me back now that he knows who she is like right. there's this reaction where he's like oh you really hate me i'm definitely not gonna tell you who i am now yeah and, and they can't. So if he did tell her the truth in that moment, it there would have been no relationship. It would not have gone well. Um, his decision to because also he could have told her, but it would have been a brusque, yeah. Like, listen, I'm just gonna leave you they alone. Were, like, bye. They you were know. not in a good place. It was not gonna make it. But because he decides to hold back the information, and then also he makes the jump because he has all the information. To, he, I think, really does start to like her in that moment when she starts to freak out. And he starts to see how much she cares about him, even though she doesn't know. <laughs> it's, it's he, 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 she doesn't know it's him, but he knows it's him. Uh, and leads to him defending her to the head waiter and then making up the thing about, is it a rat or a, or a hair? Or what's in the... There was something in the wine glass. Maybe a hair in the wine glass or a fly. Fly, that was what it was, yes. And so, and which causes the head waiter to kind of semi-faint. And because he tries, the head waiter tries to throw them out, which is a very funny moment. But then he leaves her, as is her wish, and then she sings. Uh. This act one ends on a tremendous down note with dear friend but she's so good she is so good i mean it's laura benanti she's amazing what more could you want it's, out of life it's beautiful and it's gorgeous but it is this, like you say yeah. we have four or three or four endings to this act of great dramatic we have the gun we have uh, i resolve is a big act one closer but it isn't the gunshot like you say big act one closer but it isn't and then it ends on this very sweet and lonely quiet song i mean melancholy yeah and it's and she's just sitting there in the in the restaurant alone and sad and stood up and you know it's kind of a masterful writing in the sense of like we go nuts and then it brings us back around again 
But it does lead to that problem that a lot of the musicals of the golden period have, which is a like an hour and 15 minute act one and a 45 minute act two. Yeah. And this show is is that. As a lot of like, I mean, musicals you love are like another Bach and Harnick effort. You may have heard of Fiddler on the Roof. It's exactly the same way. Act one is huge. Act two is about half the length of act one. And it just feels kind of pushed. Like it feels like we're cramming a lot into the first half mm-hmm. and then we kind of rush to the the finish and the yes. evening is two hours total. You know, yeah. that's kind of where it ends up. And I always, I like a balanced show. If we're going to have two acts, I really want to have, they don't have to be the same length, but I like them the same amount of weight and the same amount of right. force. And this show kind of, I think, does achieve that because so much happens in the second act. It's not a, it's not a wrap up. Like things really go... Things yeah. take a while. And yeah, it, it, do, it doesn't, uh, but it doesn't have kind of that, like that whole last twenty-five minutes of Act One, which is kind of has so many stops and starts, like things yeah. that pull you up short. I think Act Two also feels quick because it doesn't have that. It has that same kind of smooth, all the way through, song to song to song through the story, largely that Act One has yeah. up until the good chunk of Act One, first, that that, yeah. that that second chunk of Act One, and actually the first chunk, the first like the because yeah. it is a show with like chunks and then montage and then chunk and then montage and that's this act two is i mean the first thing we see is mr marichek convalescing i guess in his house he's in a hospital he's in a hospital he is in a hospital okay he hasn't gone home um where he's uh i guess through the intervention of our pat shot himself in the arm in the arm yes right spoiler mr marichek is not no and it's fine in fact and uh the first song we get is my son's other favorite song in the show which is try me uh our pad's big (laughs) every character has a song which is another good thing and a Mm -hmm. good song a solid show-stopping moment Mm -hmm. and this is this is our pads yes it's the open act two and then we get like this run another run of songs which I, i had to look this up because i wanted to make sure i got the quote exactly right so about a year ago yeah it's about a year ago almost exactly um I, I tweeted that I think Vanilla Ice Cream, She Loves Me, and A Trip to the Library is the best one, two, three song combo in a musical until, and this is high praise from me, Finishing the Hat, We Do Not Belong Together, and Beautiful in Sunday in the Park with George. There are these, it's highs and lows and character moves and mood pieces just in a one, two, three slam, and we're just like, and they're almost uninterrupted. There's almost no dialogue yeah. In between these moments, there's a tiny little scene at the top of Trip to the Library. Mm-hmm. Um, but we go out. I mean, the scene before it's Vanilla Ice Cream leads right into She Loves yeah. Me and goes right into that scene and you before Trip to the Library. My two favorite songs in the shower in that trifecta. There, which right is which, there. too? So, my favorite song of the show, standalone from any production, mm-hmm. is A Trip to the Library. That's a it great song. It was my favorite it's song in the 93. Song. It's a great song. Uh, and in this production, particularly, has made She Loves Me my favorite song i think and i think it's the performance really okay i mean i've always enjoyed well, you're a huge song. zachary lewi fan you i am that a from huge the fan but he, and so the the particular energy and quirk mm-hmm. uh and it has some of the best i mean all of this is lyrically great like oh, we gosh, really yeah. did and we've mentioned a few of them we haven't really dove into some of the really great lyric pairings in this show but those two songs have some of the most clever playoffs that i love in the in mm-hmm. the show so they're oh my yeah, two she loves me. Has is is a tremendously what what could be a very saccharine, sappy moment is not because he's overjoyed, but he's also wrestling with the fact that she doesn't know it's exactly. It's him. You know, she loves me. She just doesn't know it yet. Right. 
Uh, and then, and he's also kind of marveling in in the feelings. And I love the little trifecta where he's talking about all the different things. Like he's trembling, he's this, and he's that. And he's like, I'm freezing. That's because, because it's, it's cold. cold. I would like to pause for one second, though, and um, say a quick word about this particular cast album and its design. Do you have the CD? I do. Okay. So this CD, the packaging, uh, was designed by, uh, do you know who designed it? No. It was designed by Robbie Rizell, past guest of this podcast, um, and is not just shining his shoes because I know him and he's a great friend to this podcast. This is a gorgeous, gorgeous CD. It's an absolutely beautiful, yes. the way it's put together with the gatefold and the pictures that were selected and everything is just absolute. So if you're going to like, <laughs> if there's one to buy, this is definitely it. There's so much care. It is beautiful. When they made it, like we were saying how they did not know they were going to record it right away. Mm -hmm. Uh, It was because of the short run. It was a set end. And so they announced they were doing it and they sent, they gave out flyers like in the programs, like we've announced we're doing a recording. You can pre-order it before it's recorded. And I did. Of Of course. course. And then when it was ready to release, there was actually a problem. And I don't know if it was with the, the CDs or the printing hmm. that held up the CDs. So they sent a digital download to everyone who had pre-ordered ahead of time on the day it should have shipped. Oh, wow. So you got it huh. downloadable as soon as you as soon as soon you were supposed to get it. And then they went back and, and, went back and got the re- physical redid copies. all the CDs and then sent them out. But Robbie is also one of the reasons this revival happened. Because Robbie is good friends with Lara Benanti. And he told the story on, I think it was... They were on a podcast together. I can't remember what it was. It might have been Little Known Facts um, with Alana Levine. But the two of them were on together. And she asked somebody, how did you end up doing She Loves Me? And she says, because Robbie told me. Because he said, what should I be doing? She's like, I want to do a show. What's a good comedic role for a soprano? And he said, you should be doing She Loves Me and My Fair Lady. This is what he said in like 2015 or 2014. And now she did She Loves Me. And now she's doing My Fair Lady. So... You know the the well, soprano, you, the diva whisperer, as he is, is, as I think someone else has coined him. But if not, I'll I'll take credit for that. Um, so he is one of the reasons we have this in the first place. You've already told me what your favorite song was in uh, this show. Well, so we didn't what, really talk about it. What is it? What was your favorite well, song? It's uh, uh, trip to the library. Oh, trip to the library. The next thing I know, I'm sipping hot chocolate and telling my troubles to Paul. Whose tender brown eyes kept sending compassionate looks. A trip to the library has made a new girl of me. For suddenly I can see the magic of books. Yeah, so what do you love so much about Trip to the Library? That's actually it's a good, really good question. It's very funny. It, it has some of the really great lyric plays mm-hmm. uh, in it. And it is kind of the, the the completion of that arc for Alona in that she's she goes she stumbles upon the library because she ended the um, the duet with Amalia saying maybe she needs to get a library card and a gramophone right and like you know think you know think beyond the physical uh, and so she stumbles into the library and stumbles into an optometrist right Paul, Paul yes and <laughs> there's this whole arc where she's going to go read a book and he tells her about books he offers to read to her right and there's a lot of innuendo with it all being very sweet but innocent she, she says she's illiterate but she's not, she's not literally illiterate she's not literate she's going to read I think she means illiterate in the sense that she doesn't read not in the sense that she right. can't read she is not well read I think would be although she kind of delights at the end of the song in the fact that as long as he's with her She'll never have to open a book because he'll read to right, her. Right, because he'll just read it to but, her. But like yeah. she likes, she's she's interested in the idea. Like she yeah. she can't. Yeah, like you said she can't not read. Mm-hmm. She just 
doesn't do it. Right. And she's thinking maybe she needs to broaden her outlook. So right. she's broadened her outlook to a very a nice, man sweet will, man who, who, who will read to her and right. treats her kindly. And who and after she, a very short period of time, she's going to make propose to, <laughs> to her. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so she hasn't learned that much. She's no. just picked a guy who seems a little bit better. He's only an upgrade. Die. He's kind and polite. And yeah. Hopefully hopefully loyal uh right. we don't know where it ends but it sounds like a a more positive step forward oh sure well it's certainly well because then though right after that song we get grand knowing you oh yes which is a song that inadvertently led me to some very dark thoughts about this show and that's kind of i think what we're going to wrap up on here, oh, unfortunately <laughs> which is the so grand knowing you is kodai's after he's been fired big running around saying f you to everybody in the store and especially i mean he has and it's very funny he has some great lines like with seapost who he knows the whole time miss marachek knew his wife was sleeping with somebody because seapost was sending him anonymous letters Mm -hmm. saying one of your employees is sleeping with your wife and marachek just picked the wrong one seapost confesses this to george george then goes i love the thing yeah did you learn your lesson he goes absolutely next time use the name (laughs) which is such a great like great line great line But Kodai has figured it out that Sipos is the one who ratted him out. So he has this great refrain. What can I say? Ah, Sipos, no tears be gay, you know, old friend. I'm in your debt. I owe you more than I can possibly repay. I won't forget. Give your wife a little kiss from Kodai. I never met her, but I will. Bye and bye. Which is such a, like, such a skeezy, such a skeezy, skeezy thing. But he goes out the door on this line. Though I hate leaving you, hate leaving your warm, intimate club. It's a small pleasure, but I'll treasure each warm, intimate snub. It's been grand, let me say, and let me say au revoir, not goodbye. For it's grand knowing you'll all be working for your friend. Koda! And this thought led to the thought of me being like, oh, that's interesting. The like, because there's no mention of any other. I don't. Is there? There is another store. They kind there of mentioned because Amalia Burke mentioned she worked there for like five right. years. But I feel like it was either closed or was a was smaller store. It did, yeah, yeah downsized. like she's like they they they're shrinking. And so there's Mar- a big thing in the, like the yes, the Marichex is competing with this other store, but they're killing this other store. So it's 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 great. But then when Kodai said that, it, it led my brain as it does to be like, gosh, I wonder like what happened to Kodai the next day and then the next week and like just interestingly because he ends on that kind of ominous like you're all going to be working for me kind of thing which is something people say running out the door when they're mad but this then led me to the dark thought which is that this is 1937 and this is hungry Mm -hmm. and in two years hitler's going to invade poland and then hungry's going to be involved in world war ii and then, after World War II, Hungary's going to get swallowed up by the Soviet Union. And so what it led, this wonderfully happy, beautiful end of this musical on, I cannot enjoy it. I really can't. I like, I, I am incapable of enjoying the love story because in two years, they're at war. Uh. And then it's pretty much crap 
until the Iron Curtain falls in the early 90s. None of which these people are going to live to see, except for maybe Arpad. Yeah. Yeah. Um, It is, and it's apparently something that Joe Masteroff kind of was concerned about was setting it in 1937 was the sort of specter of war which would have been i mean in 63 this world war ii is still fresh on everybody's mind a lot of these actors would have been either fighting or working somehow in the in the war effort in the in the 40s and i mean shop around the corners made fresh out of world war ii it's like 40s is it 43 or uh, 40? Shop Around the Corner is actually 40. 40. So it's right at the yeah. right before the United States gets involved in World War II. So World War II is going on. Yeah. Um, so apparently, yeah, Joe Masteroff had some reservations. And it's one of the things that led him to do research on I Am a Camera, which is the, the basis mm-hmm. for Cabaret. Yes. Uh, so, I mean, good things came out of it. But I was glad to hear it was on someone else's mind other than just mine. But it, it, it does, I, I for some reason cannot shake that thought. And it all stems from this song. Because it's this proclamation about the future. It also happens in our um, perspective in Act One, where yeah. uh, then Sipos has this whole thing about where you know, one tiny you just keep your keep your head down and don't say anything and mm-hmm. just you know like you know you'll be fine. And of course, that then leads to all this terrible foreshadowing. Wow! <laughs> yeah, I'm never you see what I'm saying? Look at the yeah, show I'm again. Sorry. Thanks, Patrick. <laughs> I tell people, I tell my students this all the time when I teach them movies. They're like, I'm just here to ruin things yes, for you, and I'm absolutely. really sorry. Because um, um, it is a gorgeous show, and I listen to it all the time. Show. But in the back of my hand is this idea of just like, and I don't know if it's the times we live in also kind yeah. of coloring this a little bit, but there's this Maybe. vibe of just like, yeah. I will say that's one of the reasons I think I love this show so much. I will, ta- mm. I will take it back to Oh, happiness. wow. Go for it. Hit it. Uh, because I, my, my favorite musical, hands down, is Cabaret. Like, okay. I, I like All right. these like rich, dark storytelling sure. origin of, of musical kind of things. But what I love about this one is it is still gives you the permission to be delighted by theater. Like I feel like there's there's mm. space for when we devise work. There's space for when we do political work. I think what we do as artists is important. And and the amount of telling stories that haven't been told, getting new voices on the stage and addressing what's happening in the world is a huge part of what art does. But I feel like it's dismissive to say art can't entertain. Sure. Uh, I, and, and you hear stories about people who, who go to the, who went to the, you know, a friend tells a story about going into like, about people who knew who would slip into the back of spam lot when it was running. And this was like in the years immediately following uh, September 11th and listening to audiences laugh and being, having that moment of being remembering that is also what we do is we give people an opportunity to forget and to Mm -hmm. laugh and to love. And so this is a musical that comes from that gem of era of happy song and dance, romantic comedy and slapstick. And it's charming. It's clever. The the lyrics are beautiful and you can really enjoy it. And I love that I can enjoy it and not be offended by it, which is yeah, yeah. a hard it's thing hard. for it's, older it's musicals. Ama- like you, said, you started off on that note and it's, it's worth repeating. It is amazing yeah. that this show has... N- n- it's all in the performance. There are potentially problematic moments in it, yeah. but it's all how you play it. I don't love Candy Box. Like I feel like it's kind of a old school like 
you know, you know, eat less chocolate, you'll lose weight. But at the same time, none of it addresses to get a partner to get someone interested in you. It's just making right. a personal choice. Right. So like, and even, it's a sales pitch, yeah. which is inherently kind of, and also the way Amalia pushes it, even though it's hilarious, <laughs> that she's like, it's us. She she presents it to the woman it's as like, you and me, we both have this problem. And yeah, you're right. Exactly. It, it isn't great, and, but, but it but, isn't awful. But either. like, that's like, and it still goes on. Exactly. Yeah, it's, it's not. It's, and, yeah. And also the people are then later eating chocolate out of the box. Like we see the people walking by eating chocolate yes. out of the box. Like it's obviously a bit like, it no, is. we're just going to buy a candy box and then eat more candy because yeah. we like the song. You but know. In, and at the end of the day, when she and George, big reveal, they, mm-hmm. you know, all that, she still has, they both have their jobs. Like it, she doesn't lose anything in the development of this relationship. Right. Which is my issue with You've Got Mail. <laughs> oh, okay. That's what I, we're going to close on this. What is your issue uh, with You've so, Got Mail? I actually tried to rewatch it last night because I haven't watched it in years because I remembered hating it. I have not seen it since I saw it in the theater. It's been 20 years. I love She Loves Me So Much uh, and all the iterations that you've got mail based on, they credit it as based on Shop Around the Corner. Right. Which is very closely based to the original play. But um, in it, like, she basically loses everything. Her own business. She owned her own shop. And yes, you could say that it's just like the 90s and the big box stores driving the small boxes out. But like there was such contention about like him as a business owner gleefully doing that, like making small businesses close. And she loses her shop. Mm-hmm. And I I think my parents watched it recently and were kind of like, oh, but she then discovers she wants to be a writer. And I wasn't picking that up very strongly in the movie, although I did kind of fall asleep in the last 10 minutes. And sure. then I put I rewound to see if I missed something important. I'm like, I don't feel like she really got the good end of the stick there and she just forgave him no she just got the man she got the man which is the uh, yeah yeah and so i was like of all of the versions of this story that have been made over 60 years the most recent contemporary film version is i find the least feminist it's also the most dated and it was kind of dated instantly dated because it was wrong its use of internet culture was wrong at the time which i remember people even like older than me because i was 18 and very much aware that this is not how like this isn't how things work um and then like i remember at the time even people being like that's not now Nora efron clearly doesn't use like she doesn't know what she's talking about but then how almost instantly yes it was true like barnes and noble and and borders were swallowing up the small bookstore but almost immediately amazon started to swallow those like like two three years later so it it, it it was it's dated so the dated. day it came out. Like, yeah. it was instantaneously dated, which is hilarious because the source material is 70 is it, years old. And, and still has and a timeless version. Right, because the commerce is not any part of it. No. It's just the people. The, the shop is the excuse to get all these people in a room together. And I think that's one of the big problems. They, they not only made the commerce the big problem, but they made it the big thing between them. Like, in this version, like, he loses his job, he gets his back. It has peripheral relationship to a moment with her wanting the night off but it really has nothing to do with her and at the end of the day she never loses her job she gets a job and they work together and it's fine and it's kind of and what's funny to me is that one of the reasons they don't get along speaking of feminist terms is because she's pushy what we would call pushy no one else thinks she's pushy george thinks she's pushy and it's because he doesn't she does not instantaneously bow to his authority when she says, I'm there for a job. And he goes, we don't have any jobs. She yeah. keeps pushing and she keeps pushing and she gets the job. And then the counterpoint to her is that she then expects him not to like her. And so right. treats him kind of antagonistically. And therefore that antagonism continues yeah. because she keeps goading him. And so he 
yeah. doesn't like her back. And so, but like you say, their problem is their problem. Like yeah. she's everyone else likes her, everyone else likes him. They don't like Sipo's each other. Says. And she both says they like oh, each other. Great. It's great. That is a great moment. Good morning, Mr. Novak. Ah, congratulations, Miss Polish. I see you're on time today. So sorry to disappoint you. Oh, but I'm not disappointed. Far from it. Let's just call it surprised. <laughs> <laughs> They always argue. Why is that? Well, it's a simple chemical reaction. You see, when two people like each other very much... They like each other? Well, I think so. They like each other very much? Well, don't you think we should tell them? Arpad, my boy, they'd never believe us. It's a great wink to the audience to be like, listen, the show's called She Loves Me. Right. This is all going to be fine. But the journey's going to be a song, exactly. like super and fun. And there's a moment at the end of this one, and definitely a, a heavy moment in the end of The Shop Around the Corner, where they pretty much acknowledge that they were attracted to each other the first time they met. Yes. But then got off the rails. Yep. So. Yeah. And that's certainly, and they build a friendship later when they're working together out of simple acts of kindness. It, that's the wonderful thing about like vanilla ice cream, where he mm. brings her ice cream when she's sick from her mother's shop, which is really funny. And then, um, which I do have to say, in that scene, I'm always kind of like, he's in her room. Like that's it's... 1937. Seems a little bit. Mm. But uh, then the simple acts of kindness that happen over 12 days of Christmas, where he is the boss because Marichek's not there all mm -hmm. the time, and they're just polite to each other yeah. which leads to walks to the bus which leads to coffee during walks to the bus which leads to a genuine affection for each other which then it's revealed that they have this long-standing um right. uh, letter-based relationship the two come together in a wonderful bit i am kind of bothered by the fact that she doesn't figure it out like she kind of says she hopes for yeah, it but she's a little too the, shocked that's when the, the only other thing happens. that's kind of yeah. bothering it's like how long it doesn't know she should she know it's him know. she should know she should just actually she should deeply suspect she didn't have to know yeah but i don't i how shocked she is when she sings the letter to her <sighs> and that she wrote and the, the big shocking review like it we all know can we just yeah. be like oh i'm so glad it's you i'm because so, which is kind of how to bring it around you've got mail ends when he comes up over the bridge i do remember her being like oh good like this is exactly what i thought it was going to yes. be thank god and that's kind of how i want the musical to end to it be yeah. like oh good like yeah. great this isn't complicated no. <laughs> i was afraid this was going to get weird and it's not weird it's great and yeah. it is lovely and you're right and i love this show i love i love, this show I love so every much. recording of it i love every iteration of it um and I'm going to go to New York Public Library and see Judy Kuhn sing the <laughs> crap out of it. No, uh, no disrespect to uh, Diane Frank Frank to Tony who who is, does it on the recording, but uh, but I love Judy Kuhn as we all know. Thank you so much for talking about Thank this. You. Do you have anything coming up in 2019 that you'd uh, like to? Yeah, people can go see, see your work. Uh, locally, I am doing Henry the Fourth Part One and Two in Rep at Chesapeake Shakespeare Company up oh in Baltimore. Oh my! Yeah, it's going to be fun. Uh, and then. I'm doing out of town. I'm doing uh, rags. Uh, Stephen, where are you Schwartz. doing rags? So NYU a School of Music, Steinhardt School of Music. They're doing rags. Doing it. Uh, yes. When? February. Oh, coming on us. God. And I think it's public info because we're moving forward. Sure, sure. Uh, but basically, uh, they've been reworking it for several years, and, yeah. and last year they did a completely new revision of it with mm -hmm. Steve, uh, the with Stephen Schwartz. Yeah, they yeah. did it in in good speed. Right. So it's that version, but oh. with even more reworking. Which has been interesting because oh I did not know the show well. So I have the very new script and the very uh, old sound, yeah. which is so different. Yeah, There's no recording of all the new music yet um, because oh it's been reworked so much. Uh, oh and God. from what I have heard and read, because I did not know the show well, and I know it did not 
do well. Oh, it was a horrible failure. It ran for uh, four but performances. Everything I've heard and read about this new trimmed, tightened, rearranged yeah. version is that it's very good. It okay. gets some of the beautiful moments of the music and redoes a whole storyline arc through it that's much tighter. If you don't know why I'm not breathing right now, go on YouTube and look up Rag's Tony performance, which features Judy Kuhn, and hear the title <laughs> song from Rag's. And understand that right after Judy Kuhn sang this song of the show that had closed months ago and was nominated for Best Musical, she then had to change clothes because she was performing as Cosette in Les Mis and one day more <laughs> moments later. And we're back to Judy Kuhn again. It is, oh my God, Rags. In terms of like Broadway flops, God, Rags is amazing. It's just <laughs> absolutely the best. And by the best, I mean, watch it and you'll see what I'm talking about. <laughs> oh my God, I wish I could get up to New York to see yeah. that. That is so fantastic. I'm so excited right now. Thank you so much <laughs> telling me about the show but mostly about rags now i'm just mostly happy about rags thank you so much i've greatly enjoyed coming in and talking about she loves me the original cast is produced and edited by me patrick flynn the original cast is on twitter facebook and instagram at original cast pod you can follow me patrick flynn on twitter at unknown penguin rate and review us on apple Podcasts from the convenience of your iphone and or check out the original cast on stitcher if that's how you get down my thanks to heather c jackson for coming down and talking to me today i'm patrick flynn and I can't. I have rehearsal. I've got you to lean on. We've got you 